Welcome to Fort McMurray Matters. Keeping you connected to our community. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. Welcome to another episode of Fort McMurray Matters. I'm Adam Ophis, and today we're chatting with Brian Warner, the Executive Financial Consultant and Division Director with Private Wealth Management. Now, actually, Brian, you had mentioned there's kind of a important season kind of coming up here and what and what is that that's right on the horizon for us well thanks for having me on the show today adam well it, we're we're right in the midst here of rsp season as well as tfsa's uh, because there's been more room opened up for 2022 years so there's a lot of decisions being made by by the listeners in regards to their financial planning rsps and tfsa's right now Okay, and because yes, it is, it's RRSP season, so to kind of maybe explain to us what is a registered retirement savings plan and why is it important? Okay, so that's a very good question, Adam. So an RRSP, which stands for Registered Retirement Savings Plan, permits individuals to contribute to their personal retirement plan, able to deduct those contributions within certain limits from taxable income. Then the RSP assets, they continue to grow on a tax-deferred basis until they're withdrawn. And ideally, that's usually in retirement when they're in a lower tax bracket, at which point those withdrawals are fully taxable. There are two exceptions to it. Uh, an RSP can be used for two other things. One could be the first-time home buyers program, and if someone is re-entering uh, university or college, they could use their RSPs for the lifelong learning pro- program. Oh, okay. That is actually good to know because that was one thing I wanted to ask you is is if we put uh, those RSPs away, is that locked away? And is there a is there an age number that we're like good to take it out or is it simply when we've like if somehow you're one of the lucky ones and you did retire at 55, can we take it out at that time? Yes, so so an RSP, basically you're earning the room from age 18 onwards and it's based on earned income. So so if you're an 18 year old and you started in the workforce, 18% of your income is uh, available in the next year. So it's always based on previous year's income. And the money then grows tax-free unless you use it, as I said, first time home buyers or lifelong learning, at which time in the future you want to take it out. Usually when that time comes, you're converting some of it to what we call a RIF, which stands for Registered Retirement Income Fund. And there's, then there's a minimum you're forced to take out of it. So, so that's where effective tax planning is looking at when's the best time to, to take and move my RSPs to a RIF. Now, the government forces you to take your RSP money by December 31st in the year you hit age 71 and convert it to that RIF the Registered Retirement Income Fund, at which time in the following year, there's a minimum amount, I think it's about 5.38% of the value, you're forced to take out and start to pay tax on that money. And uh, and for what we're contributing, because uh, I, I remember always being heard like when I was growing up and working in, uh, working in various jobs that to contribute so much into your RSPs because it, it did help at tax time. Now, is there a sweet spot uh, kind of thing with RSPs? Like, can we contribute too much, not enough, or is there is there that Goldilocks area? 
Well, there, the, the room is always on when you file your taxes, you get a notice of assessment from CRA. And on it is telling you what your room is available for the next tax year. So like for 2021, the RSP limits 18% of your earned income in 2020 to a maximum. And, and that's kind of your sweet spot is that 27,830. You cannot put any more than that in. If you over contribute, you can over contribute $2,000, but anything above that, Adam, you're going to get penalized by CRA at 1% per month. So it's really critical to be cautious of these numbers. And, and that magic number for the 2022 uh, tax year is $29,210 is, is the max. Uh, there again, it's always based on your income. And is this that much different than a tax-free uh, savings account? Are they're, they're completely different, right? They're not counted towards each other? That's correct. They're two separate uh, entities. In uh, deferring tax is what the RSP does. The TFSA, and that came into being in 2009. So yeah, if you're 18 years of age in 2009, up until here in 2022, you can have contributed $81,500 into a TFSA and the future growth on that money, you will never pay tax on. So a TFSA is another uh, savings financial vehicle that you should be looking at. And I really recommend it for the younger generation because they may not be at their peak earning year. So their tax bracket could be lower. So I'd rather see them use a TFSA in their earlier years. They can use it for their down payment on a home or ma major purchases, things like this, until they're in a higher tax bracket, then use the RSP room that they've accumulated over each year to get better tax deferral and more bang for the dollar on deferring that income and getting a, a bigger refund check. It's hard when you're younger to think about retirement, right? Like that seems so far away. Even at my age, that seems so far away, uh, a retirement. So you said, yeah, just if they put it in other, like a tax-free savings account or perhaps other forms of investment might be a safer bet if you're younger. If you're younger, I, I highly recommend using that approach, depending what your tax bracket is. Because when, when I'm dealing with clients and you're looking at their situations, where well, I'm always looking at what's the taxable income? What is the last dollar you're earning uh, in regards to, we call that the marginal tax rate. So that way, if we are utilizing RSPs, that we're gonna get the best bang for the dollar. And we're not always just looking at one individual, we're looking at the family unit, the significant other, the spouse, to look at what income are they earning. And that's where we get into a spousal RSP. Now you're gonna say, what is that? Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. definitely my next question. So I'll let you keep going on that one. Okay, so Adam, a spousal RSP is, is uh, where I, the contributor, am putting money into my wife, and I'll use my wife Debbie as an example, who's in a lower tax bracket than me. I'm investing it in her name. I'm the contributor. I'm going to get the tax bracket. And if my, my income in Alberta was over, you know, you know in that between 221000 and up to three. 314 uh, taxable income in it, I'm in a 47% tax bracket. So what I would be doing is getting a tax deduction personally at 47%. And let's say my wife, Debbie, is in, in a you know, 19 to $50,000 tax bracket. She's in a 25%. Then when she brings that money out, 
she can be bringing it out at 25% and I got the deduction at 47. But there's a couple things that most investors and people have to be aware of. There has to be a three-year period where there has been no spousal contributions contributed at any financial institution or the attribution of that deduction goes back to the high income earner. So those that's one, one of the key, key issues. If both individuals now, let's, let's put them into my DeLorean and take them to age 65, we're going into the future here, and now they're both age 65 and you have a spousal RSP and you convert that to a RIF, then the taxation on that money will be to the lower income spouse. So this is all part of retirement planning. This is all part of tax planning. And these are just two components of what a real financial plan entails. We're just going to take our first break here on Fort McMurray Matters. But when we come back, we're going to continue chatting with Brian Warner, the Executive Financial Consultant and Division Director with Private Wealth Management. We'll return in a moment to Fort McMurray Matters. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. Welcome back to Fort McMurray Matters, where we're talking with Brian Warner, the executive financial consultant with Private Wealth Management. We're talking about saving up for your retirement. Now, Brian, uh, you had mentioned, you know, RRSPs, TFSAs, and GICs. What if somebody just wants to get into something, maybe just start putting their money into precious metals or stocks or things like that? Is that is that too risky or like is there a reason why we shouldn't do that? Well, precious metals is definitely very risky, but let's let's come back to what financial instruments can I use in a RSP, in a RIF, and a TFSA. So you could use GICs, where you invest that money for a period of time. At the end of it, there's no risk to it. You're going to get X amount of interest. However, there is risk, and you're going to say, what do you mean, Brian? The risk today is inflation. Right now, in Canada, we're facing 5% inflation. Over the last 15 years, we've been in that 2.2% inflation. It's going to subside, but what's it going to average out to? It might be at 3%. So if your investments are now outpacing inflation, Adam, your, your purchasing power is diminished, and you're going to, you could run out of money very quickly. So GICs is one investment that could be used in in a TFSA, in an RSP, spousal RSP, or a RIF. The other thing that can be used is individual stocks could be used. So if you say, I want to hold Suncor stock, you could do that. You could hold ETFs. Now, those are exchange-traded funds within any of those, those uh, registered plans. Or you could use mutual funds. So mutual funds are a basket of stocks inside, outside of Canada. And depending on what the risk tolerance and the risk capacity of the investor is, it could be a moderate approach where it's 40% fixed income, 60% equity, of which you would want, you know, possibly 20% Canada, you'd want about 20, 25% in the US, and then you want some international exposure into Europe and the emerging markets. So diversification of your assets is gonna create wealth as well. So those are the types of financial instruments that you use. Now, where the big misconception comes from, and this is what really bothers me, I wish they would have called a TFSA a tax-free investment account, because people hear it as a savings account, and they're just leaving money in cash. 
or they're using very conservative investments there. So if you had, let's let's say Adam maxed out his TFSA and he has 6,000 room for 2022, so that means Adam contributed $81,500 into his TFSA. In, in that TFSA, the future growth on that money, so let's say the value today is $100,000 as of here we are, February the 9th. So you've got that gain on that money that you'll never pay tax on, Adam. So it's an excellent savings vehicle that came into being in 2009 and it should be well utilized as part of an overall financial plan. You had actually mentioned splitting as, as well, various, because uh, I know we uh, like try, this is, it's, it's all Egyptian hieroglyphics to me. So I know I try to deal with somebody as well to try to, someone who's smarter than me to explain it to me. And, and is splitting a good thing? Like you, like you said, like, should I not just dump it on TFSA? Should I not dump it on a GIC? Should like, is there, is there different ways to split it? And is there options for low risk, medium risk? high risk and is one better than the other yeah so adam when when uh, as a certified financial planner when i'm sitting down with clients it is imperative and, and the regulations change january 1st i need to know what adam's risk tolerance is i need to know what his risk capacity is because if there's a market downturn is Adam going to panic and sell out of his investments when the markets are down and miss the growth opportunity over the long term of that money coming back? And history has shown the, the markets are resilient and they do come back. And that's where you create your wealth. So so what we do is take clients through a 14 quest, uh, you know, 14 questions to determine what type of investor is Adam. Once we've determined what your investment risk profile is, then I can make recommendations saying, Adam, based on this, here's the types of investments we should be talking about and utilizing. Okay, so that's that's number one when you're looking at that component of, of the financial plan. On the income splitting side, it's important because as a family unit, we all got to pay money to CRA, but we want to minimize, we want to keep more money in our purse and our wallet so CRA is not getting it. So the income splitting techniques are using a spousal RSP, you got a high income earner and a lower income earner, looking at if they are in a pension plan, whether it's Syncrude, Suncor, CNRL, LAPP, or any pension plans or in our community, looking at the family unit at the end at retirement is one spouse going to have that much more money than the other spouse if that's the case planning needs to take place to equalize that so at retirement each spouse will be in a lower tax bracket less money going to cra so that's that's the planning side when you're looking at it and then it's looking at you know when you're looking at financial planning you you are looking not just at investments people think they have a financial plan and all they got is an investment portfolio well that's only one component the other component is the retirement plan adam what age do you want to retire and you might say brian i want to retire at 65 and i'll take cppoas at 65 and i want a lifestyle income after tax in today's dollars of Pick a number, $80,000. So then I got to take where you're at, project it to a minimum of age 90 so Adam doesn't outlive his money, and 
and uh, look, is Adam on track to achieve his goals of what he wants to achieve? If Adam's married, a significant other, looking at the combination of both partners and, and putting that plan together. And now one of the caveats here is women, Adam, outlive us by men by five to six years. So women are going to control all the wealth in the world as we, as we go forward, right? So it's important to make sure that, you, you know, right now when I'm doing planning and I got, uh, you know, a couple that one one of them, if they're both age 65, one of them could live to age 95. So that's all part of planning, that the numbers have changed. Uh, other factors that are affecting people today is the inflation, interest rates. We are going to see probably three to four interest rate hikes in 2022. And what are the markets going to do? We saw a really good growth in 2020, 2021. We're not going to see the double-digit returns that we experienced in 2021. We're going to see more moderate single-digit returns going forward. And equities is you need to have money in equities, which are stocks of companies inside and outside of Canada, to outpace inflation over the long term. If you're strictly too conservative, unfortunately, you're not going to outpace inflation and you're going to be uh, utilizing up your capital and you're not going to create wealth. And every dollar you have is going to be devalued going forward. Definitely a lot to learn here today because uh, saving up for your retirement is a little different than it used to be of just shoving a bunch of money under your mattress or hiding it in your walls. And I had a grandfather who used to do that. We are going to be right back with Brian Warner, the executive financial consultant with Private Wealth Management, right after this. We'll return in a moment to Fort McMurray Matters. Brought to you by Colin Hardigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. We are back here on Fort McMurray Matters. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Brian Warner with the Private Wealth Management to discuss about retirement and what to do to start saving. And honestly, you're never too young to start putting your money away. I, I've talked to far too many people, my, my very own father included, who never looked forward or never looked at getting money set away for his retirement. And uh, it gets tough the older you get. So the younger you can start it, the better. Now, Brian, you had actually mentioned just before we went on the, the break here about some of the things, how you calculate if someone came to you when they said, I want to retire at 65, and all the calculations you got to do, like how many cars are they going to buy? What, how many vacations are they going to take? How long are they going to live? Like there's so much in there. How do you even calculate that for not just one, but oftentimes two people? Well, we, <laughs> that's a very good question. So we, we, uh, uh, IG Wealth has uh, gone with Conquest Planning, and we designed a new computer software system, and we call it our living plan. And in it, it's going to take the income of where people are at now, take their adjusted costs of their costs rising. So if we use inflation, you know, at 2.2 or 3%, their expenses and and that is going to continue to rise from this current age, you know, put you in my DeLorean as we journey through the windshield of life, take you to 90 or 95, that your costs are going to continually increase throughout your lifetime. And then it's taking a look at what type of investments is Adam. So if Adam's a moderate investor, so what we mean by that, he would be about 40% fixed income, which is a combination of government corporate bonds, as well as mortgage uh, investments and, and more uh lower interest returning uh, investments, and then 60% equities. So long-term average on a moderate investor from now until age 90, 95, is around that 4.1% return. Over time, you're gonna see, like last year, a moderate portfolio had over 8% return. 
that's great years, but there will be years that it could be negative uh, 15, uh, etc. So it's important to understand that. And we project out of you continually adding your money, what age you're going to retire at, what are your goals? You might say, Brian, I'm buying myself a new car. In today's dollars, I'm going to spend $40,000, trade my old one in, and I'm going to do that every 10 years. And I'll say, Adam, how long are you doing that to? And he said, ah, till I'm 80. Okay, so we put that in the plan. And then Adam might say, Brian, I'm going to take a vacation. And I'm going to do that once a year because I, I want to spend. And, and my cost today is, you know, 3500 bucks. And we put that into the plan. And, and we ask all these questions because a lot of people go and retire, but they forget, man, I got to buy another vehicle. I might be buying two, maybe three vehicles in my retirement years. That's all going to be accounted for as you look forward. My, uh, I know my dad always joked because he, he was not the best investor in his retirement. And uh, I know he always joked. He said, my retirement plan is to die young, which is not a great retirement plan. So yours sounds much much better and a lot of work i i gotta say very difficult to to think through and that's out of my wheelhouse i'm not smart enough for that is there anything before we kind of get through here that maybe we might have missed you know because coming up like you said it's rsp season and tfsa is there anything you wanted to just mention before we go here well i, I guess some of the, the one, one of the key things adam is always remembering is you know taking that first step forward understanding what you're doing you know everyone says get an rsp and people say well i got an rsp but they don't really understand what do they have what type of investment do they have how does it fit their needs do they have an understanding of it have they looked at maximizing it out and how does it work with their employee plan that they may have at work okay Be because you earn the room for an rsp 18 percent of your earned income but anyone that's working you know at uh, at Suncor or Syncrude and uh, the municipality, Cannell College, and they're in a defined contribution plan or Enbridge, that pension adjustment eats up some of their RSP room. And, and that component is very important to their financial plan as well. So everything is intertwined inter, uh, in, in looking at financial planning. So when we say financial planning, it's not a portfolio. We look at your cash management, what comes into the home, what's going out. Is there debt reduction that we could look at to reduce that, to free up cash? We look at number one is risk management, God forbid. If something happened to that major breadwinner, they, they came down with a critical illness, a disability, a premature death, how is the family impacted? So that's critical. Then you look at the investment management design. What type of investment suit Adam, okay? And then we take you and you're in my DeLorean, now I got you to age 85 and, and that, but along the way we talked about estate planning and we projected your plan and at the end of it you saw I got a huge tax liability when I pass away. How can I minimize that tax? Can I spend more money? Can I give some money to charity? And will that affect uh, my tax liability to CRA? And I'm helping my community. I'm helping the Cancer Society or the Fort McMurray Community, community Foundation or any charities you might be interested in. That's all part of looking at the big, big picture. Okay, so so there again, I, I think it's up very, very important to the individuals. RSPs are a key component to financial planning in conjunction with your plans at work and utilizing effectively TFSAs and that going forward. But having an understanding of the Alberta tax brackets and how all of this works is critical if you want to create, maintain and preserve your wealth. 
Well, we've definitely come a long way from uh, storing your cash under the mattress. Uh, I can definitely say that. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on here today, Brian, and just a explaining all this there is so much to explain people forget and how much it takes to you know retire successfully yeah adam, adam there i do have a webinar there's there's one coming up that's open to the public and i could you know i can send you the link on it and basically it's five myths of retirement planning and and some of those myths are your, your cost of living is going to be lower in retirement you know, an RSP is a complete retirement plan. That's not the case. Your investment portfolio should become more conservative in retirement. Well, that needs to be addressed because with conservative investments, you may not outpace inflation. So conversation on that. And you should not carry debt into retirement. So my generation was pay down that mortgage as quick as possible. Now with interest rates being low, I have some retirees that I'm suggesting don't pay your mortgage down because if your mortgage is only in 2.6% and I'm getting you 4.5 or higher on your investments, let's keep those investments in place. Later on when interest rates go up, let's pay that mortgage down then. So that's planning. And then um, you, you can retire wealthier by managing your own investments. Listen, this stuff is very complicated. I live and breathe it. You, you you need to source out the right individuals to give you that competent advice. I always encourage people to look for those that have their CFP designation. I think there's only seven in Fort McMurray right now, but it is the gold standard in regards to it. It's like going into a doctor's office. Are you looking at his wall? Does he have the accreditations? You know, he's going to take a scalpel and start opening me up before he asks me any questions. No, you, you want to make sure that all the checks and boxes are in alignment as you go forward. And the, the key thing is, where's my retirement paycheck coming from? It's going to come from OAS. It's going to come from CPP. It can come from your RSPs, which convert to RIFs. And it can come from your defined contribution plans. So there's a number of sources. And which is the best and where should I take it from and why? That's where planning comes in. Well, we'll definitely get that link uh, put up there for you, Brian, so people can check that out, your financial planning webinar that's happening on uh, February 24th, really uh, not too far away. So uh, we'll get that thrown up, and people can find out and learn more there for sure. And uh, thanks again, yeah. Brian. I really appreciate it. Awesome, Adam. Thanks, and, and wishing all those listeners a very successful RSP TFSA season, and please stay healthy. Health is wealth, and uh, it's been a tough 24 months, so we're, we're near the end of it as we work our way through it, so keep positive. Thanks again for joining me today, Brian, and I really appreciate you coming on here. That was Brian Warner, the Executive Financial Consultant and Division Director with Private Wealth Management. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today here in Fort McMurray Matters, but if you missed it or you want to hear more, you can head to our website, mix1037fm.com, where a fresh episode of the podcast is uploaded every day. Just click on the news section. I'm Adam Ophis. I'll chat with you again tomorrow. That's the end of another edition of Fort McMurray Matters. Want a copy of this episode or any past episode? Download the podcast at mix1037fm.com. Brought to you by Colin Hardigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7.